Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action Movie Review Podcast. On this episode, we will be discussing and reviewing Avengers Endgame. To read more of our reviews and listen to our podcasts, go to lcamoviereviews.com. This podcast does contain spoilers and may contain strong language. Listener discretion is advised. And now, here are your hosts for the podcast, Mike Winkler and Jason Kobasik. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Action, the Movie Podcast. Mike Winkler here with you. And Jason Gabasik here. Avengers Assemble, Endgame has finally arrived. Yes, it has, and my God, what a movie. Epic doesn't even begin to describe this film. I really don't know what kind of words to express how much I enjoyed this film. Uh, You and about everybody else in the world, anybody that doesn't like it, um, well, I, I guess they can go straight to hell. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. Well, unless you're not a superhero fan, then, well, you're not going to give a shit even about it to even see it, so, unless you so, drag to it. Before we hop into this, we're going to make this very, very clear. We are going to be reviewing the movie, going over the movie. Guess what that means? Spoilers will be involved. If you have not seen the movie, now is the time to turn this off. Exactly, because now I'm going to do something slightly different to open the show. So what I'm going to do is, um, through listening through other podcasts, usually a lot of the movie podcasts, they will start by giving the plot, and they'll giving give you basically a rough basis of the movie from beginning to end, and then we start going into each thing from beginning to end like we've been doing anyway. Yeah. So um, before we go into what the plot of the movie is and break it down, um, let's just say, as at this point right now, the movie is on... Pace to reach $2 billion by the end of the weekend. Oh, if it hasn't already hit that. Yeah, as of right now, it looks like it's at 1.915, but that's before this weekend's numbers, and we're on Saturday, so I think we're going to be over 2.2 or 2.3 billion by the time this weekend's probably over. Easily. For a movie that costed $356 million, which is by far one of the most expensive movies ever made, but Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides somehow holds that record. I, I was really surprised when I had heard that. Considering that was one of the weakest Pirates movies as well? Well, any, let's be fair here. Anything after the third one would really can't even call a Pirates movie because it was all kind of shit. Well, the last one they made wasn't terrible. What, Dead Men Tell No Tales? It gave the series some pretty decent closure that, that it poop. didn't get. That was poop, and you know it. Well, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, that definitely was no beauty, that's for sure. Well, I didn't say it was a beauty, but it definitely was better than the garbage that Stranger Tides was, no question there. I will say that it was better than Solo. <sighs> oh, let's not even start that again. All right, but going on here, let's go ahead and dive into this. Okay, so the plot. 22 days after Thanos used the Infinity Stones to disintegrate half of all life across the universe, Carol Danvers rescues Tony Stark and Nebula from deep space, <clears throat> where they're playing uh, paper football. They return to Earth and join... Which, I, by the way, let me cut in here. I thought that was absolutely hilarious right at the beginning. Yeah, it was. Tony teaching Nebula how to play f- paper football just because they had nothing else better to do. That was pretty great. That was we, pretty and great. then it was we finally get that scene where we saw in the trailers with Tony talking and like recording himself in the helmet, talking to uh, Pepper. Pepper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thought right then and there, yep. 
shit, is this actually going to be it? Well, I mean, it would have been a ballsy thing to start the movie on this, but I, I can't say that it wasn't entirely possible if it wasn't for the fact that we saw Tony on Earth in the TV spots and the trailers. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that would have been a pretty ballsy way to start this movie, especially considering what happens to Tony anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, his death definitely makes a lot more sense as it happens than, than this would have been. Yeah. But um, So, anyway, they return to Earth and join the remaining Avengers, Bruce Banner, Steve Rogers, Rocket, Thor, Natasha, and Rhodey. They find Thanos, now a crippled farmer, living on an unguarded planet and intend to retake the stones to reverse his actions. But find he has already destroyed them to prevent any further use, and enraged Thor beheads Thanos. Which I was surprised that quick into the movie they already killed Thanos off. Yeah, I was sitting there kind of wondering, like, hmm, could Thanos possibly be done? Could this just be a movie about how we're going to reverse time and Thanos is no longer going to be the looming threat that we thought? Uh, you knew something had to open up, but it was seriously one of those things like, did they really just kill Thanos off already? Yeah. I mean, that happens like, what, in the first 20 minutes? Did if that? He, yeah. Like, that was insane. Seeing Thor come in there and just, out of the blue, just take Thanos' head off. With the line from Infinity War, I aimed for the head. All right, but let's go on here. Okay, so, five years later, Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, escapes the quantum realm using Pym particles and meets Romanoff and Rogers at the Avengers compound. Lang explains that he experienced only five hours while trapped, theorizing that the quantum realm could allow time travel. The three ask Stark to help them retrieve the stones from the past so they can reverse Thanos' actions in the present, but he refuses out of fear of losing his daughter, Morgan. After talking with his wife, Pepper Potts, Stark, uh, Stark relents and works with Banner, who has merged his consciousness with the Hulk's body to stabilize travel in the quantum realm. Banner and Rocket go to New Asgard, the Asgardian which, refugees' new which, home. What did you think about seeing uh, Hulk? Hulk? Yeah, no, oh, Hulk, oh, Hulk like that. Hulk, um, I did not expect, especially the whole movie, to be Banner as half Banner, half Hulk. Yeah. In situation. I mean, considering how the last movie went with him not being able to Hulk out. Yeah. Did not see that coming. Neither did I. I was fully expecting at some point in this movie that we would see Hulk. I was not expecting the first time you see Banner, it's essentially Grey Hulk we're seeing here. Yeah. Yeah, especially this early. I mean, I wouldn't have expected it. But then again, this may be Ruffalo's last Avengers film, quite possibly. So I guess it makes sense that we're going to see this before he officially leaves the part. Yeah. So, okay. So going forward here. So um, Banner and Rocket go to New Asgard, the Asgardian refugees' new home in Norway, to recruit Thor, now an overweight drunk... uh, Drunk man, a.k.a. Jeff Bridges and Big Lebowski. Oh, my God. Over his failure. Romanoff has the Tokyo to recruit Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, now a ruthless vigilante. A.k.a. Ronin. Yeah. Now a ruthless vigilante following the disintegration of his family. Banner, Rogers, Lang, and Stark travel to New York City in 2012, a.k.a. Avengers 1. Banner visits the Sanctum Sanctorium and convinces the Ancient One to give him the Time Stone, promising to return the the stones to their original places in time. Rogers successfully retrieves the Mind Stone, but Lang and Stark fail to retrieve the Space Stone after Loki escapes with it. Rogers and Stark travel to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in 1970 and steal an earlier version of the Space Stone, where Rogers yet again sees Peggy Carter and Stark runs into his father, Robert Stark. 
Rocket and Thor travel to Asgard in 2013, a.k.a. Thor the Dark World, to retrieve the Reality Stone from Jane Foster, also obtaining Thor's hammer again in the process. On Morag in 2014, Nebula and Rhodey steal the Power Stone before Peter Quill can. Rhodes returns to the present with the Power Stone, but Nebula is unable to return with her cybernetic implants interfaced with those of her past self. Through this connection, Thanos of that time learns of, the, of his future success and the Avengers attempts to undo it. Thanos captures present-day Nebula and sends past Nebula to the present. Barton and Romanoff travel to Vormir and learn from the Soul Stone's Keeper, the Red Skull, that it can only be acquired by sacrificing someone they love. Natasha sacrifices herself, allowing Barton to claim the Soul Stone. After reuniting in the present, the Avengers create a new gauntlet. Banner volunteers to wield it, stating that he's the only one who can withstand the injuries that will follow and use it to restore all those whom Thanos had disintegrated, crippling his arm in the process. Past Nebula uses the time machine to transport Thanos and his warship to the present, who launches an attack on the Avengers compound, planning to claim the stones and use them to wipe out Earth and rebuild the entire universe from scratch. Present-day Nebula convinces the past version of her sister Gamora to turn against Thanos and kill the past version of herself. A restored Stephen Strange arrives with his fellow sorcerers, the restored Avengers, and Guardians of the Galaxy, as well as the armies of Wakanda, Asgard, and the Revengers. They fight Thanos' army alongside Carol Danvers. Thanos seizes the stones after overpowering Thor, Rogers, and Danvers. And after a struggle with Thanos, Stark steals the stones back and knowingly sacrifices himself to protect all of humanity, using them to wipe out Thanos and his entire army. Tony Stark then dies as a result of the injuries sustained from the stones. Following Stark's funeral, Thor appoints Valkyrie as the new ruler of New Asgard and joins the Gal Guardians of the Galaxy to become the Asgardians of the Galaxy, and Steve Rogers returns the Infinity Stones to their original places in time, but chooses to remain in the past to marry Peggy Carter, and in the present, an elderly Steve Rogers gives his shield to Sam Wilson, kisses Peggy Carter, and credits roll. Oh, man. That's a mouthful. This movie... Whew, this movie hit, This movie hit you and hit you hard if you were a fan this entire series. Well, you know, um, having seen the movie now three times, um, it's kind of surprising to me that the third time, Tony Stark's death actually hit me emotionally, finally. It really hit me that third viewing. I don't know what was different, but that third like viewing is where it finally got me. the third time where it finally hit you? Well, I mean, I was sad when the first time I saw it, but that third time, is I kind of maybe just finally felt it, and it finally hit me that Iron Man is, is gone. I just kind of... Here's the thing, though. Iron Man's not gone. Well, Tony Stark's Iron Man is gone. Iron Man as we know him is gone. Yeah. But, um... So, yeah. Uh, this is Endgame, and Endgame is a three-hour epic that at times does feel its length. I didn't think so at all. But, um... I was sitting on the edge of my seat the entire movie. Well, I was, too. A lot of people complained that the first 40-so minutes run a little bit slower, but what people fail to understand is is that they are trying to make us feel the emotion with these characters of what they've gone through for five years. Oh, yeah. You could have easily cut a half hour, but you could have lost what it felt like. You would have ruined the emotional impact that Infinity War left the audience at the end with if you just would have rushed through this. You would have lost everything that would have happened in that timeline. Really, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about the emotional impact. And if you lose that, this movie doesn't work. It becomes the heart of the film. Oh, I know. Now, tell me something. When you went to go see this movie, um, I know when I went to go see it, uh, the first two times I saw it, my theater was jam-packed. And I'll tell you, the audience reaction was uh, 
quite ecstatic about every big moment, especially the first time with a lot of the humor with Thor. I saw it in the drive-in, so I didn't have to deal with that. That's a good experience, though. The drive-in's a good experience. You saw a double feature with Captain Marvel. Yeah. Which he has now seen Captain Marvel, going back to our part one podcast. And, it, by the way, my I'll have my own review up here soon of it. We'll reference it in part two of the Marvel thing. We'll, yeah. We'll kind of go back to it for him. Okay, so, uh, yeah, let's uh, start from the very beginning with uh, showing Hawkeye's family just disappear from the Thanos snap. That was surprising me that his entire family went. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't have thought that all of them, all you know, his two sons, his wife, and his daughter would all just go, and he'd be the last one left. It's oh, like, no. It's like a nightmare gone wrong. It's like out of the blue, he turns to he turns to say something to his wife, and he turns around, and then just everyone's gone. That's a pretty interesting feeling. It makes you wonder, like, what the hell did he go through right then and there? Because he really didn't see anything. No, on his face, other than panic, looking for them. That was it. You saw a little bit of sadness, but then you saw a little bit of it turn to anger. Yeah, before right before we cut to black. But uh, yeah, I mean, I. I, I've had nightmares where you feel alone, and in that moment, I can only imagine what he was feeling from a happy moment with his daughter, about to eat with his family, to complete nothingness. They're gone. Mm-hmm. It's a very scary thought. I, I guess the same thought can go through people when they, they lose their family in a, in a disaster or you know something like that. It probably has that same similar feeling. Um, but this was quite the opening I wasn't expecting. I mean, this is before even the Marvel logo pops up on the screen. Oh, I know. So uh, it was good to see it though because we didn't see any of Barton in Infinity War, and they didn't. Even, they could have shown this scene at the end of Infinity War, but I think the impact was better in the beginning of this film because we knew what was going to happen and what the emotional impact was going to be. Uh, you saw everything that was going to happen with him in this film, mm-hmm. and this was kind of a good tie-in to his story in this film. Barton plays a huge part in all this. He's a very big part of this film. Okay, so uh, so now we go to credit screen and everything, Marvel logo. We get to the actual beginning of the film here now. Yeah, and it starts off with a little bit of humor because we get that paper football scene we were talking about. Yeah, which I thought was funny how Tony's just teaching her the entire time, like how to actually flick the paper football. Yeah, that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty funny. You know, this the beginning of this movie actually really showed me what the differences are between DC and Marvel, how, how they handle their movies. Marvel is good with adding in some humor even amongst these dark moments. If this were a DC film, we wouldn't have any humor. And that's part of DC movies' problem, is that they have no lighthearted comic booky moments that Marvel movies embrace and use a lot yeah. of. So this was kind of a refreshing to open the movie with a little bit of humor before we get into some deep, dark, depressing stuff. And speaking of deep, dark, and depressing stuff, let's go into one of the scenes we saw in the trailer. Oh, where uh, Tony is talking to his mask, giving his final message to Pepper. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Uh, that one that one hurt the feelings a little bit, saying that. And then just trying to figure out, like, how were they going to get out of there? Was he actually going to die was he were they gonna find a way to bring him back then if that was the case what was gonna happen well the music in that moment too especially when nebula sits him up in that chair and he just looks like he's uh blue in the face and he's just motionless 
it really did appear like that the movie might do it here. The music was building to that moment. It just felt like a hero's farewell. Yeah, and then we see... What is it now? We see the glowing happen coming towards... An orangish glow. Coming towards the ship that they're on. And the next thing we see is the ship being brought down to Earth with Carol Danvers being the one that's bringing it down. You know, I've heard, I've heard some people mention that uh, the end credit scene at the end of Captain Marvel, where she shows up after the communication part, mm-hmm. we are all led to assume that that scene happened before this because I think she went to Earth and they told her where to look for Tony because Thor and Rocket uh, knew where Tony was. They were going to to Titan. So I think that maybe they told her where to look for them, and that's how she ended up finding them. Because I don't think she just came upon them by pure accident. That would be too convenient. Well, it could have been by pure coincidence, too, though. But the scene where she's lowering the she's ship down... She's got to think, though, like, she had no idea what was going on, because when she got there, she said that she was looking for the message from, um... Or she had gotten that signal from, uh, Fury... So, I don't think that they saw what happened. I don't think she had been there before. Well, there's one thing with that, though, because when she's lowering the ship down and she looks at them, right, in the end credit sequence, when they turn around and see her, that's the first time that they saw her because they said, who are you? When she lowered the ship down, they saw her there. So, that had to taken place before. I don't know. Either way, um, Captain Marvel is now part of the Avengers now. In a way, even though her screen time in this is not as big as I initially thought it would be. Uh, neither did I. Yeah. It, um, at the end is where it actually, you know, saw where she was going to play a pivotal role in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I just did not expect her to just up and kind of disappear from this until the final act. Considering how much they were building her up leading into this, especially with her own movie leading into it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's still great to have her a part of it and be able to interact with everybody, and I'll be very curious to see, going forward, how her interaction's going to be with all well, of Well, we them. also got to look at it this way. Like, Black Panther didn't really play... Uh, have, didn't really have a lot of screen time in the in uh, Infinity War. That's true, because they didn't go to Wakanda until around the final act of the movie. Yeah, and he did true. play a pivotal point in that film towards the end of the movie, just like Mark Captain Marvel did in this. True. And even he doesn't have much screen time even in this movie either. You think maybe he's given maybe a total of three lines? Well, you also got to keep in mind, though, that he hadn't been back at all for all of what? It was like 30, 40 minutes at yeah. the end of the film there? Yeah, they don't pop that up until it. the last 40 minutes or so in the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, though, the, the moments they're given, though, everybody's kind of given their own good moment in this movie. Everybody's given their fair share of some big moment, just like they did in Infinity War. Everybody's going to give in their due. They're given their moment to shine. Um, yeah. Some are a little underutilized compared to some of the others, but that's, you know, when you have a movie with this many characters, there's only so much you can do. Especially yeah, you really story. can't do a whole lot with that. No, there's not much you can do about it at all. Um, so yeah, so... We arrive back. She brings the ship uh, Nebula and Tony back to uh, the Avengers headquarters, and we start finding out who went missing, and they all want to know where Thanos has disappeared to. And they do eventually find Thanos on a uh, completely deserted planet, no one else around. Known as the Garden, Nebula said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and they wanted to check it out. He had there was no one else there. Mm-mm. It was just him on a on like on completely barren planet minus him. Yeah, there was no uh, no guards, nothing guarding him. It was just solely him on that planet, living on his own in seclusion. Uh, so they all end up going in there. They eventually see him. It, you see Thanos as he is now, just looking completely, just not like himself. No, he looks uh, half his face is kind of burnt and scarred. Um, he seems like his energy level is completely depleted. And we find out it's because he destroyed the Infinity Stones with the Infinity Stones. In order to make sure that he, uh, or in order to make sure that the stones could never be used again. Yep. What does he say? Uh, I reduced them to atoms? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Now, yeah, they, it almost took his life the second time. Yes, it did. Which we'll find out what that means for Tony later as well. Um,. But with this, the Avengers pop up, and they learn the the fate of the Infinity Stones, and this leads to... At which to point then, Thor, just out of the... Even out of frame, you just see a quick swing of the axe, and Thanos' head rolls. I gotta say, that came completely unexpected. That came completely out of left field for me. I jumped out of my seat in the car, and I was going, what the actual fuck happened? Yeah, no one because expected him to go Because who would have expected... Thanos, you know, the mad titan Thanos to go down with one swing of an axe, crippled farmer or not. Right. Would that, like, the present day Thanos, gone. And the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie, if that. Yeah, I'm looking at that and I'm like, holy shit. And I remember thinking in that moment, is Thanos done? Is this just going to be a movie about, um, just them trying to recover everything, and there's not going to be the looming threat of Thanos. Th- that question went through my mind for a while, but considering from the trailers and the TV spots and the advertising, we didn't see much of Thanos in the advertising. So, I mean, it could have been a, a big possibility. There was no reveals early to know how this was going to go down. Exactly. Especially since we know in the comics that Nebula is the one that kills him, and that does not happen here even close to happening at all. Oh, God, no. Mm-mm, they completely changed this, which is good. It made it, you know, not predictable. So, right, so after that whole sequence, and then we see Thor, you know, deliver his line, like, I aim for the head this time, and then just see him walk out, we just see the overhead shot of them all there at that point. Screen goes to black, and then we see five years later pop up. So now the rest of this movie is taking place five years after... The snap of the fingers. Did you think that this movie was going to jump that far ahead? No, I did not. I had a feeling it was going to jump a little bit ahead. I didn't think it was going to be that long ahead, though. No, I mean, I thought maybe maybe a year, maybe two, but five. Five years. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if the comics do that. Do the comics even jump in I time? don't even remember. Well, I, I, I applaud Marvel on this. If that's not in there, that's a pretty big change that is actually a good change because it makes the movie less predictable for the fans and makes comic books fans wonder, okay, I maybe I don't know how this is going to play out. Exactly. Uh, it's, yeah. Okay, so five years later, um, we get a scene with Captain, uh, Captain America in kind of a, a social uh, group with a bunch of people, which is kind of a reference back to 
uh, the Winter Soldier, where Sam was with the military people when he kept visiting him there. Yeah. So it's kind of a kind of a callback to that, which makes sense with this being the Russo brothers adding in their little callbacks from their uh, Captain America films. Um, which I thought was a nice touch. A very very nice touch. And um, then as we're going through that uh, next scene, we get is we go to the shot of like a fucking sewer plant. Yeah, I wasn't sure where that was going until I. And saw... And then you just see the rat come out of there. And next thing you know is you see Scott come flying out of the quantum realm out of nowhere there. Did you notice when the camera was panning to the rat in the truck, did you notice the little tag on there? It said Lang. No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't notice it the first time. It was the second time I saw it that I noticed. I was like, oh, okay, there it is. But it really wasn't until the first time I saw it when I saw the the logo on the truck from Ant-Man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of, kind of a cool way to bring uh, him back. Um, so, yeah, Scott comes back, not realizing five years have passed, not knowing that the Thanos snap ever happened, who Thanos even is, and he's sitting there wondering if his daughter well, you've is got, dead. Uh, you've got Widow and Rogers both in the compound, you know, going over everything that's going on. Like, they're both really distraught, trying to figure out, like, what they can do at this point. Mm-hmm. And they get that knock from Lang on the... Or they get the notice from uh, that someone's at the door and everything. And Captain America thinks it's an old message because they think Scott's been dead from the snap. And find out that from uh, Widow that, no, that's right outside the front gate right now. That makes them a little happier that somebody's alive. I think it gives them... A little bit of the hope that they were missing, especially in the conversation that her and Cap have before he shows up. Yeah, which, I mean, then we end up getting into the explanation and everything that he used pin particles in order to break out of there. Yeah, yeah, pin particles are a huge part of this film. And he goes on to explain that, yeah, he had only, it only felt like five hours had actually passed when he was trapped in there, which they all which made him and everyone else think that you know maybe the quantum realm can follow through a time travel it's, it, it's which a, it's a good would theory. explain like how they would end up going through this entire timeline now especially considering that the time stone was destroyed they had no way to rewrite time or go back in time it allowed them a way to go through time travel finally which makes you wonder like Okay, is they going to go back to these specific moments and mm-hmm. just the them. MCU in order to get these stones back? What are we going to see here? Now we know how. Now we finally figure out the method of what they're doing here. Yeah, I got to say this to this the whole thing of how this time travel thing came about. We always knew that time travel was going to play a key part in this, but what we didn't know was is remember you and I kept thinking that it was going to be the time stone. It had to be by the time stone yeah. that was going to do this. And then when and then fifteen minutes into the film, we find out that all the stones right. were destroyed. Right, so now I'm thinking, oh shit, how the hell is this going to work? Because I never never crossed my mind with the whole quantum realm being the way that we're going to do this. It never even was on my radar until they brought it up. Yeah, so I was not even thinking about that at all. So again, another another twisty thing that we all assumed was going to be the time stone ends up not being that. So yet again, props to Marvel. Um, and now we get to you know where they go and visit uh, Tony... And you get the little scene with Tony, you know, he sees that he has a daughter now, since it's been five years, and then, you know, you see him with a new uh, version of, like, the helmet, of his Iron Man helmet and everything, 
him joking with his kids, saying, you know, how mommy never wears uh, any of the things that he buys her. Mm -hmm. And we know why that's brought up, because we find out why that is later, too. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, again, I was very shocked to find out that Pepper and Tony had a daughter. Did not even think that was gonna happen either here. I had, you kind of, it kind of got alluded to with, um, Infinity Infinity War, War. with, you know, that whole sequence where he said that he had this dream and that they had a kid together. True. And we do find out that all these dreams that he kind of had did end up coming true. Yeah. They were, they were visions of some sort, uh. And uh, th- that kind of references to, you know, when I when I thought Infinity War, when they were talking about Tony and they were talking about Pepper, they were having those conversations. Remember how I said I didn't think Tony was going to die because they kept referencing family? Mm-hmm. Well, after this movie started and, and then seeing he had a family, all I thought in my seat was, oh, shit. So now they're showing him with a family. So now the whole death thing is now on the table again because... That eliminated my theory because now they had it happen in the beginning, so now the movie can end because it, it gave Tony the family that they referenced. So that threw my whole hope that Tony would survive out the fucking window. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I don't think either of us had thought that that was how he was going to go. Like, Mm-mm. I thought maybe that he was going to end up getting killed. I honestly thought he was just going to end up getting killed like that straight up. Yeah, I did too. There was a lot of moments where I thought Cap would and Thor would and he would. There was a lot of moments in that final battle that scared the freaking like, shit out of me. I always had the feeling that Cap was going to go the way he went. Yeah, yeah. We were hoping that too. It was hope. And it thankfully it did. Bullet dodged. But, sorry, so we're going to go back to this here and then, you know, the three of them fi- uh, got there after that little scene and everything. They talked to Tony you know, mm-hmm. let him know, like, how they had the idea of using time travel to go back to get the stones and reverse everything that had happened. But Tony's absolutely just refused to do so because, you know, it, saying it's not possible and more out of fear of, you know, he didn't want to lose his daughter. Oh, it's understandable. I mean, I can't blame him. I mean, they're worried that they're going to screw up what they've already have. He's already getting that second chance that he references. And even what he tells uh, Steve about, why don't you, you know, basically get a life? And that comes into play at the end of the film as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, who could blame Tony for feeling that way? I can't. I mean, I, he lost everything. He at least gained a little bit of it back. Yeah. Although it isn't until the moment where he sees Peter Parker's picture with him that makes him realize, if I can do something about this, I should try. Exactly. You know, but not long after that, we get a scene of Tony in his office or wherever, and you see him, something on his uh, computer screen, and it's a completed uh, project that he saw, and he's like, son of a bitch, it's actually possible. The calculations, everything worked out. So he figured out time travel, He's talking with Pepper at this point, you know, telling him how he figured it out. Uh, that, you know, it wouldn't be as dangerous as he would have thought. Mm-hmm. Pepper, uh, he didn't want to still be a part of it. Pepper kind of convinces him, like, maybe this is maybe you should do this. Yeah, her knowing Tony for all the years she's known him, she knows that he's not going to be able to just uh, forget about this and let it go. It's going to linger on his brain knowing that he could have possibly saved everybody and he ain't gonna be able to live with himself like that yeah so we eventually 
see Tony relenting and uh, agreeing to work with uh, Bruce. Which, now we get to this scene. <laughs> this scene is fucking hilarious. Because all, <laughs> all we see is uh, shots of them and then uh, Bruce talking. Mm-hmm. And then it pans over to Bruce? Hulk? Which, I don't know at this point. It's The a- only thing that popped into my head or that I even yelled out loud when I fucking saw this was... They just introduced the Grey Hulk at a point when I never thought we would have ever seen this at all in the MCU. Yeah, not at all. I mean, because uh, you've got the yeah. mind of Banner, you've got the bo- the brute force of Hulk together at in one, mm-hmm. like actually coexisting. Yeah, especially with how Infinity War was playing out with him unable to Hulk out. The fact that he was able to do this and be able to mix the two together came at a very very big surprise. I did not think that this is how we were going to get Hulk back. Which I will say, in reference to Hulk too, if there's one thing that disappointed me, it's a bummer we didn't get a little bit of a Thanos-Hulk rematch. Oh, I know. I was kind of upset yeah. about that. Yeah, I kind of wanted at least a little bit to see that after, you know, to get a little bit of revenge from the beginning of Infinity War. Yeah, so and then we get to where, you know, they're talking about time travel and everything. They He ends up uh, Banner ends up, you know, helping them out and everything after Tony gets his, uh, what, I don't know if Tony had brought over what he had worked on at that point. Um, but we see that cause you know, hmm. uh, Lang had said, you know, they only had enough pin particles for one for each of them. Two test to runs make, and one uh, for each of them. To make, to go there and back. Mm-hmm. And then two test runs and then. He wastes Gone. One. And well. One test run. Which is used on Hawkeye. Well, Hawkeye volunteers. But before we get that... But we get, we get the hilarity that ensues with Hulk trying to, you know, send them through time and everything. And you just see Lane yeah. coming back as an old man, as a baby. And he pisses himself. And he isn't sure which one. <laughs> It's my old me or my young me. Or maybe it's me, me. <laughs> Which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Honestly, I thought that would have been the Stanley cameo, if anything, in this point in the movie. It very easily could have been. Because I was fully expecting, as soon as we saw the old man, I was expecting to see Stanley's face there. I was waiting this entire film, and then it's just got of think At this point, I'm like, maybe we didn't actually have a chance to see... Stan Lee have enough time to do one final Marvel cameo. Yeah, we get him. We get to see him be that uh, '70s hippie. Make love, not war. I thought that was absolutely great. I good. clapped the entire time during that little bit. It was a good cameo, definitely a uh, probably one of his best ones, if I had to say. Oh yeah. Um, but during this sequence, you know, we get the uh, the crucial time travel uh, explanation discussion. This. I mean, this gets a little murky. It gets a little confusing, considering uh, we're told that, you know, time travel is not the time back or the back to the future type rules, where if you change the past, it affects your future. Um, it's something to do with alternate timelines, and that since your future's already set, you changing the past doesn't change it. But it's more a matter of the fact that your future, essentially, it's... Uh or your present becomes your past at that point. Right. 
which I thought was an interesting concept of where they were going with that. Like, it's hard to describe. Like, you guys are really just going to have to see it and hear the explanation of it in order to get it. Right. Like, it's hard for us to really put into words on that, but it, it makes sense. The more you watch it, it makes sense. There's a, uh, there's a video I watched on IGN.com um, where they kind of explain how time travel works in a very easier way to understand. Um, after watching that video, then I saw the movie the third time, and I I kind of understood a little bit more how they were doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I couldn't help thinking that uh, part of the reason why time travel went this way in this movie is so they could get away with a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know it would have been very complicated to go back to all these time periods, get the stones, and not have everything be affected in the present timeline. So this this was a good explanation to be able to avoid that. Um, but at the same time, it does lead to some... I think there is some plot holes in the time travel thing, but... There's some, it's but some. it's not enough to really make you have to worry no. about questioning it. No, there's nothing really big here that's going to be like make you roll your eyes and dismiss it. Um, not at all. But there is some, but every time travel movie does have some kind of plot hole or flaw. I mean, it's, hell, it's normal. take a look at what we filmed. Yeah, we did Time Travelers. Um, I mean, we avoided a lot of plot holes, but uh, again, you can't help but make a couple. It's it's going to happen. It's impossible to make a, I, I think, a perfect time travel movie. No, it really it, isn't. It's impossible. You're going to have flaws no matter what. All right, but, but now we let's get to one of the moments I've been wanting to talk about. Fat Thor. Uh, I'm sorry. We all right. So they get to New, uh, Banner and Rocket go to New Asgard, which uh, you know it's the new home for all the Asgardians at this point that got away from the uh, Thanos that's in Norway to recruit Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run into Valkyrie, and you know they don't they they're wondering where he is, and you know. Valkyrie lets know our leader doesn't come unless it's first supplies. When she point, when she looks over her shoulder at the kegs of beer, the kegs of beer, we get to inside the uh, house that he's in, and we are greeted with Fat Thor, Big we Lebowski are, Thor. We are oh, I, he put Big Lebowski to shame with that uh, gut. Yeah, he gave Bridges a run for his money, I have to admit. I was not expecting Thor to be looking like he did in this film. Fuck no. It makes me wonder, did he actually put on weight to do this to do this movie in particular? Um, or I, was it a fat suit that he was wearing? I heard it was a mixture of makeup, fat suit, and a little bit of CGI manipulation. It was a little bit of all three. It's just how they managed to do that. Impressive. I mean, it may look Chris. I, it's hard to imagine what Chris Hemsworth would look like if he was fat. Well, this basically shows you. And in now, all his glory. let's go ahead. Yeah, let's go to some other funny moments in this scene, please. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, you know, the shit with the Xbox Live. Oh, Cord. Um, Thor. Uh, new masters back online again. Um, and Thor gets on the communicator and says, uh, "If you don't get offline, I'm gonna come over there and." Rip your arm up and shove it up your butt. And you, and you know, he's just going out with this kid and everything. All this stuff is going on. Thor is just now become a drunk who wants nothing to do with anything remembering the past. Him getting angry at the slightest mention of Thanos. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, just a little bit just makes him basically ball into tears, and even Cork says, "Yeah, we don't say that in here. That's a bad word. We don't say the T word in here. Yeah, it's a bad word. Yeah, uh, we don't say that in here. <laughs> it was funny, but just everything going on with that, I thought that was just an absolutely hilarious way to reintroduce Thor into this movie. Well, I was also very happy, too, that uh, we got a chance to see Valkyrie and Korg because we didn't see them in Infinity War. We didn't know what happened to them. Their fate was unknown yeah. after Ragnarok. So it was it was good to be able to see them and have uh, especially Valkyrie utilized in the uh, final act the way she was, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I'm glad that they, they definitely added that in here. All right, so this is where I'm going to step upside for a few minutes, guys. I'll be he- still hearing everything that's going on. I'll try and chime in when I can. But I'm going to let you go ahead and take over for a minute here. Okay. So, after this uh, after this hilarious scene with Thor and New Asgard, uh, we are brought back to Avengers Headquarters, and we are treated to where in time all of the Infinity Stones were. We, of course, know there to be three stones in New York City. Uh, one on Vormir... One on, I believe, Vormir, Asgard. It was four different places, I think it was. Three different places where all seven or all six stones were. Yeah, what was the planet that uh, that Quill was on? That was Morag. um, what was that? Morag. Morag. So Morag, Vormir, Earth, and Asgard are the four places where the Infinity Stones are. With I knew most it of them. was New York for uh, Earth. And it was all in the year 2012. Yeah, they were all happened so to be in the same spot. Like four stones there at the one time. Correct. So here we're treated to explanations as to where all of them are. Um, the funniest moment, of course, being when Thor is explaining the stone or the red sludge that he claims it's called, and it being inside Jane Foster. With that, we're treated to some. The Aether. Yeah, we're to some very funny moments where we actually see that. I think that he actually misses Jane. I think we finally see how he really feels about this situation. Yeah. Um, which really made me miss Natalie Portman's presence, although we do get to see her for a brief moment in this. And very briefly, but honestly, I think that they did a good job of, you know, going over that whole thing. Well, come to find out, there's there's actually a backstory to the Natalie Portman thing. I don't know if you knew about this. I found out about this a few days ago. So it turns out Natalie Portman did not return for the filming of this movie. She actually, the, the scene that we see of her laying down and getting up is actually from a deleted scene from The Dark World they incorporated into the film. There's also another shot of her at the door where they plastered her face on top of another person's body. Really? Uh-huh. So she never actually filmed in this movie due to some, you know, we've seen complications with her and Marvel. Part of the reason why she didn't reprise her role in Thor 3 before they went in that direction. Um, But the kicker of it is, come to find out, Natalie Portman showed up at the Avengers Endgame premiere last week. Really? She showed up. Yeah, she showed up. She would not appear in Endgame herself, but yet she shows up for the premiere... And after all of her turmoil with Marvel, I guess it's kind of her burying the hatchet a bit, I guess, by showing up there. Um, but I kind of almost wish that we w- that with Thor we would have gotten better closure with him and Jane, because a lot of their closure has all happened off screen. 
Oh, I know. Because after the Dark World, he goes back to Asgard, and we're left to think they're still together. Then Thor 3 starts, and all we're told is that they broke up. For how crucial their relationship was in Thor 1 and Thor 2, I think it would have been kind of cool to maybe see some of that in either Infinity War or this movie. But with Thor now being part of Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe they can... Which we'll go more into that towards the end. I'm hoping that maybe if we don't get a Thor 4, that maybe we'll get a chance to see Natalie Portman reprise her role maybe somewhere in there. Alright, well, where are we at now in this film? Because we just got to where they're going over everything. Yeah, they were, they're going over the stones. Uh, Thor explains where the ether is. Um, we find out that Doctor Strange, of course, they, they think Doctor Strange had the time stone in 2012, but they didn't know that Stephen Strange wasn't Doctor Strange yet. So we're treated to a reprisal from the very own Tilda Swinton coming back from Doctor Strange 1. As the Ancient One. And in all her bald glory. She looks Which fucking I free could, as bald, man. I could not believe that they brought her back into this film. That was a surprising treat. Like, that was a great moment for me. And not only that, it was when Banner ended up going back there to go find a stone... Mm-hmm. And we see her just standing up there on the building that he ended up on. Right. All I find out, you know, because she knew what they were up to, that she, he were, they were, uh, what did they say, like seven years too early or something like that? Um, or two yeah. years, or something. Two, 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 years, two years or something like that. Yeah, he was down, he's down the block performing surgery. Um... Yeah. But yeah, it was a good treat to see her, and I'm glad, too, that it wasn't just a glorified cameo. It actually played into some importance in the film, and she was given a lot to do, and come to find out that she was really surprised by by Doctor Strange just giving the stone away to Thanos, thinking that maybe she made a mistake, but then she realizes, well, maybe he knew something because he's the chosen one, so then she gives Bruce the time stone anyway. Something along the lines of, maybe I chose wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she doubts it a little bit, but then she kind of thinks about it and thinks, okay, maybe there was a reason why, because he knows something. Um, in this scene as well, we are also treated to kind of an explanation as to what would happen if all the stones are taken out of the time and not returned back to their original timeline. Uh, basically, what what she says is, is um, if you don't return the stones, then your timeline will remain intact, but... The rest of us will live in very dark times and can result in a bunch of different parallel universes that are disastrous. So Bruce agrees to come in, return the stones back to the original time, so therefore there's no issue. The only problem that I have with this, and this is, I think, kind of a plot hole, although I look past it, is that the Ancient One, she talks about how without the stones, the world will be dark, right? Yeah. Okay. So when our group returns the stones, right, now our group doesn't have any stones. So wouldn't that affect our timeline as being dark? I wouldn't necessarily say that it would affect our timeline being dark. Because, yes, it would be that our time so our timeline would be great and theirs would be dark and everything. But, mind you, the whole plan was they were just undoing everything that had happened. Right. Like, with Thanos' snap. Right. Like, that was their whole plan. Now, with, with without our timeline having Infinity Stones anymore, does that lead our timeline to 
possibly be in danger of bigger and badder threats without them. Uh, what's that? Well, when the strange one talks about without without the stones, that that the um, there's threats that that can dark threats that can endanger us. With us not having any any infinity stones anymore, does that lead our timeline to bigger and badder threats to come without them? Well, it's possible. I mean, this is what I've been thinking this whole time. Like, okay, at the end of this, what's going to happen now that, you know, this whole saga with the Infinity Stones and Thanos, like, all this is done now? Right. What are we about to start getting? Especially now that uh, Disney has the rights to the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Right. They after they bought out Fox. Mm-hmm. What are we now about to see? Well, that's the one thing that kind of surprised Cause me. Because especially because now that we have uh, the Fantastic Four, we can see the Skrulls truly in action now. True. Which means that we could possibly see Super Skrull being introduced mm-hmm. into this. We're gonna, we could see Galactus as a universal threat again in this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much that they could go into now. Well, this is what surprised me, is that you and I talked about when we did our Part 1 Marvel that uh, you Which, thought... Which, by the way, Part 2 we're going to be doing at some point later on. Down yes, that'll the road be coming. Soon. That'll be coming. Um, we talked about how you thought something with Captain Marvel was going to be the future of what the Avengers movies could be. Yeah. And you and I both thought that the end credit sequence here or the after credits would possibly be a hint of what's to come. And we didn't get anything. We didn't even get a hint of what even may be to come in the big picture of things. But then again, it's not the end of Phase 3 officially, because Spider-Man Far From Home is going to be that. So it makes me wonder, like, are they going to save what's going to happen now for the after credits of that? Or it's possible. are we just going to get a bunch of standalone movies right now until... We figure it out. ...that actually happens? Well, the Captain Marvel... Uh, thing you were talking about, that seems to be the most realistic big picture thing, I think, going forward, because it seems like there's a lot of layers to that storyline, much like the Infinity Stones. Yeah. Um, it's just a question of, if, if they're going to introduce Fantastic Four and X-Men, when are they going to do this? Are they going to wait to do that before we get into a big another Avengers film? Because we don't even know when we're going to get another Avengers film at this point. We don't know even know who's going to be the core Avengers at that point. Exactly. There's a lot of questions. We might not get another Avengers movie for seven, eight years for all we know. Yeah, I know. It makes you really wonder, like, what's going to happen now? The future is very uncertain because Kevin Feige has not really given us much info other than what some movies are to come. You know, we're getting a Black Widow prequel movie, which to me, at this point with Natasha being dead, I don't know how that prequel movie is going to figure into... The big picture of things going forward, it might just feel like a standalone movie. Yeah. Um, but we have Guardians 3, of course, and uh, Black Panther 2, Doctor Strange 2, and the Spider-Mans going forward. So we'll see where that's all going to tie into things going forward as well. All right, but let's go on to the next one now, because the next one we see is Rogers going after the Mind Stone. Yeah, we are sent back to New York City in 2012, a.k.a. Avengers 1. Um, which, I, by the way, was really cool to see all those moments kind of oh, interplay exactly. with uh, with our group. Um, this also leads to Rogers running into his past self and having a little bit of a scuffle. Uh, we also get cameos from the secretary, a.k.a. Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also see the elevator scene almost replayed from Winter Soldier with the same cast members playing those parts. Exactly. I thought that was a 
brilliant piece uh-huh. of work that they did there. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, Actually, the way that they filmed and sequenced that out, I thought was masterful. Well, it was cool, too, because I kept thinking, are we going to get another scuffle in the elevator like we did in Winter Soldier? But uh, we get a cool scene where Rogers whispers in the guy's ear about Hail Hydra. And what I've heard, too, is, I don't know if you know about the storyline that even the comic books where uh, where Steve was, or Captain America was secretly always a Hydra agent. Yeah. So, in a way, I think that was kind of their way of kind of winking at what it could be like if he really was Hydra. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that scene was hilarious, and I thought it was cool that he ends up walking out of the elevator with that thing after he says that. That's just, that's hilarious, that they think Cap is actually with them in Hydra. I know, that he was able to play that out so, so that way that scuffle got avoided. Yeah, yeah. I really thought we were headed for another cool elevator fight. Yeah, so, I mean, he ends up... Eventually beating his old self, getting the Mind Stone. At the same time, we've got Lang and Stark uh, trying to retrieve the Space Stone. Yeah, the Tesseract, and that goes horribly wrong. Because of Stark. And Hulk. Yeah, yeah, and Hulk. He called because he wants to go get a slice. I'm going to go get a slice, and, and Hulk comes to the door, and BAM! It flies off. But the surprising thing is... What happens to the Tesseract because but of But just hearing just hearing Hulk going on about the stairs. Stairs! I don't like stairs! <laughs> to see him yelling the entire time going up and down the stairs trying to get there. <laughs> and it was just hearing everything after they had finally gotten the stone. You just see Hulk smash through the wall. And Tony goes flying along with the case. Tony goes flying. The case goes. The Tesseract spills out. Everyone's looking one way or another. Uh, you got... Uh, I think it was Stark uh, told them to pull out the uh, reactor core, the arc reactor in his chest in order to... Give him a mini heart attack the, kind Yeah, of thing. to give that mini heart attack. Yeah. And you just see... Loki just staring down at what's going, look, staring at everything going on, stares down, sees the Tesseract, and just sort of grabs it and then disappears. I thought the facial reaction from Loki was hilarious. How he just kind of turns and watches the case fly, and then he looks down and sees the case, and he just goes, "Ooh, okay, boom, teleport, gone." I thought that was absolutely great, but I thought that was going to play into another part in the movie later. Yeah, I thought maybe that was going to be maybe Loki was going to be a threat in the final act somehow. Or not even a threat in the final act somehow, but we were going to see him, like, we are going to see the Loki from Infinity War somehow back oh, there that way. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it seems as though the Loki we all knew is, in fact, yeah. staying gone, unfortunately. Um, but the, the cool thing about it but, is we're going to see Loki again in the Disney Plus series coming out, so I think that's what we're going to see going forward. Which will be nice. Yeah. But now we get to where, you know, they failed to get the Space Stone from uh, that timeline, but they end up thinking back and they're like, let's go back to the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in the 1970 to retrieve it. Yeah, Tony comes up with the idea of he knows when Pym Particles and the Tesseract were at the same place at the same time, and... What's cool about this and, and Steve Rogers trusting Tony is because after their feud in Civil War and how broken apart they were, even at the beginning of this film, mm-hmm. this kind of brought them back together as a team and trusting each other. Yeah. So that's a big moment that we finally get that resolved from Civil War in this. So that's pretty cool. And it's not only that, but we all the sequences we see at this point, we see 
Rogers end up running and hiding into what we find out is Peggy's office. You have no idea how in my head I was just kind of, I was I was just You're smiling sitting there at like, Lee. It's sitting there like, where? All right, at some point we got to see it. We got to see him go back to his timeline finally. Well, I was thinking in this moment that maybe this is the point where Steve's just going to stay. He's not even going to go back with Tony. He's just going to stay there. I really thought that maybe this is where Steve's going to say sayonara. Yeah. Because at this point, we don't know if he's ever going to get a chance to get back there. So I was thinking that. And when we didn't get a scene with him with Peggy in this moment, I was kind of like, why the fuck are you teasing us with this shit? Exactly. And then we see Tony... uh, Faking being like a reporter or scientist, I forget which, but... Guy from MIT. All right, thank you, yes. But going down, he ends up getting the Tesseract in a uh, briefcase, and he ends up running into his dad. Daddy dearest, Howard Stark. And I thought that was masterfully done. Like, how they end up doing about this. The dialogue was brilliant. And that was going through everything here uh, before, you know, they end up disappearing. You know, how Tony said, how Tony's gone. But, yeah, he has a kid now and everything. And, you know, everything that he had gone through in life Mm -hmm. with his dad, almost like forgiving everything that, you know, he had gone through with his dad and and all that. You know, learning the lessons that his father had taught him. It's almost like how his dad was asking him for advice on how to be a, like a new dad and everything. It was just it was one of those moments just like, wow. It was pretty deep. And I think it was also cool too that I think to made Tony realize because I think he always had doubts about how his father felt about him and the closeness he didn't really have with his father. But then he kind of realized that, you know, when his father said to him, you know, he's not, you know, the, the child's not even born yet and I would really do nothing anything for him. Mm-hmm. I think it made Tony realize, you know, it wasn't that my father didn't care. It's just that certain things that were going on took priority and he was distracted. Honestly, I think this point in the movie, now that I'm looking back at it, was the pivotal moment where you realize, like, this is going to lead to everything that happens at the end of the movie. Well, also I think to, it pinpoints back to this moment. It also makes Because sense. it makes Tony realize that he's going to do anything to make sure his kid has a future. Yeah, I, as I look back on it now, I realize that this is, I think this is kind of the moment where we realize Tony might actually die. Because if you look at all the moments, you get the daughter, him with Pepper, then he gets to say his final goodbyes in a way to his father and everything his father says to him. It just feels like this is it for Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of coming together in this in this movie as all the final moments. So it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Alright, so now we're traveling to Asgard in 2013. This one is where we are getting the reality stone from Jane Foster. Yeah, uh, this is this creates some pretty humorous moments between Thor and uh, and Rocket. Um, we were also treated to, treated to the return of Rene Russo and Thor's mother. Which I thought was great. And then you've got how... How... Um, Thor or Thor's mom telling you know, try a salad every now and then. That's all the funny line. dialogues that you get. We also see Thor getting back uh, Molnir. His yeah, hammer. Getting back the classic, uh, the classic hammer. But yeah, we see that moment where he gets the hammer back again after it been destroyed. Now that he has the hammer along with Stormbreaker. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, how do you stop him at this point? Because then you see 
You just see, like, the old Thor coming back in his eyes there, now that he has his hammer back. Yeah, I think what was cool about that, too, between the hammer and I think really his mother snapped him back into getting his senses Yeah, into reality. Yeah, um, so we finally get our, our Thor back. And it was nice to see him get the hammer back as well, even though it's going to be kind of uh, <clears throat> short-lived, because Steve's going to ultimately end up taking it back. But he has Stormbreaker still, so... Yeah, so this took care of almost all the stones at this point. Uh, the one we're, we're, forgetting we're about. just missing two more at this yeah. point, and that's the Power Stone and the Soul Stone. Yeah. Which now we're getting into uh, more. Uh, we're going into Morag in 2014 now, where we, the first Guardians movie did, took place. <laughs> and you've got Nebula and. Uh, Rhodey going to take the Power Stone before Quill can. I love that they replayed the opening of Guardians here. Mm-hmm. And, but with this time, we actually get to hear the music, music cut out and hear Quill sing completely flat. Oh, I know, and I thought it was absolutely amazing. I laughed the entire time during this whole scene. How about when Rhodey says, so he's an idiot? And Nebby was just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. So they were able to get the Power Stone from him. Uh, they were able to get back to the pre- or Rhodey was able to get back to the present, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, Nebula for whatever reason wasn't able to return, uh, and her cybernetic implants uh, start connecting back with her past self back in this time point. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, interesting twist for Nebula that her that her twenty uh, twenty fourteen self is projecting what's actually going on with her future self. And then it was because of this connection, we see the Thanos back in this time frame. Mm, yeah. Uh, learning of that his future self uh, successfully was able to gather all the stones and snap half of the universe out of existence. Well, I think, too, is what's what's really scary about this Thanos is that this is the cockier, more, uh, more dangerous. I think Thanos. Because think about it, the Thanos. I know, we get like later, the Thanos that we get, the Thanos that we get in this film, right, is the Thanos I was hoping to see in Infinity War. Honestly, it's the Thanos we see that's using his actual power before he actually gets the Infinity Stones. Right. Right, and this 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 Thanos we get is completely different from the one that we know. Um, in a way, this is kind of the Thanos that we saw hinted at in Guardians, and the Thor- and the Thanos that we get uh, hinted at in some of the uh, or the post credit sequence. Yeah, remember when he opens the first time we see him, he opens that door, that safe door, and he says something about doing it myself, and he puts the gauntlet on, and then it ends. That's mm-hmm. the Thanos we're getting here, the more dangerous one, not the more compassionate one, doing better for the universe type. Yeah, which he still has that, but he's got more of that sadistic side to him it feels like in this and mm-hmm. i thought they did a good job yeah it made I, th- I think it's good that the final thanos we see is is this version of thanos because this is the thanos that really is a force to be reckoned with yeah so i mean it's at this point where thanos uh captures our president our present day nebula that we know mm-hmm. and sends the past nebula back to the present where everyone else is yeah, and that leads to Thanos being able Which to is come being through. Yeah, being able to get him through, being everything in order to 
you know, go into the present time to be able to take all the stones at one time. Yeah, and wreak total havoc in the meantime. Um, and well, now we get to this scene. Oh, the repeat of Vormir uh, from We've well, got death. Barton and uh, Romanov going to Vormir and learning about the Soul Stone, where we see Red Skull again, which honestly... I was kind of disappointed. This was one of the only big disappointments I had with this film. I think I know where you're going to go with this. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was... I still thought it was brilliantly done. This was just my biggest disappointment in the film because... A, I thought Red Skull would have played a little bit more of a bigger role in this movie. Yep. But it's just the same exact sequence, the same exact uh, music score, like we were talking about uh, after I had seen this. Yep. How, from... Uh, when Thanos, when Thanos and Gamora went to Vormir, mm-hmm. but it's the how they ended up doing this. Like after Red Skull had, uh, you know, told them about how, you know, it can only be acquired by sacrificing a soul of someone that you love. Mm-hmm. You see Romanov and Barton looking at each other. It's kind of like they you already can tell what's going to happen here. Someone's sacrificing themselves. Right. It's just seeing them battle over who's gonna actually going to be the one that does. Like, that one actually got to me because it, that one actually hit me a little bit because it's like, it, it's not the same way that you would have thought, like, how they would have been done it in uh, Infinity War, how Thanos just pushed. Just push Gamora over the edge. You see uh, Natasha essentially uh, jump off like after Barton had uh, gotten a hold of her. Mm-hmm. And she ended up pushing off and falling down so that way he could get it. Well, I was hoping too because in that moment it looked like Barton was going to be the one to die because he jumped off in slow motion before she did that. And I thought, this doesn't make sense for this to happen in that moment because, like, he's doing all this to get his family back. Why is he going to off himself now so he never gets a chance to be with them to bring them I back? I think it was more along the lines of because he had thought about everything that he had done over the last five years. Yeah, everything bad that he did. Yeah, exactly. But I was hoping it wasn't going to be him because we deserved that moment from being reunited with his family, especially how the movie started. But um, it was one of those things, like, I was not ex- fully expecting to see... Like, this is where uh, Widow was going to end up making her leave in the universe now because, you know, we had gotten word that, you know, yeah, she had one more film planned and it was her own standalone film. We ended up finding out, you know, it's a prequel and everything. So they figured that at some point, it seemed like she was probably going to be killed off in this film. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be at this point the same exact way in order to get the Soul Stone. You know, I don't know if you picked up on this with Natasha, but when Red Skull says that she's the daughter of Ivan, mm-hmm. it brought me back to something. Could Ivan Drago whiplash from Iron Man 2 be her father? They're both Russian. I don't think so. It might just be a coincidence, but it but it kind of made me think. I think a that is bit. a coincidence. I don't think that's actually true. Okay, I could see that maybe maybe happening in, in the prequel movie. Yeah, possibly. but so everyone's getting back in the present now. All of the stones. You see everyone finding out about from Barton what happened in Vormir, and how you know how they had to acquire the stone. You see Banner just lose his shit. It seems like. He does. He, he, he gets really, really angry. 
But eventually you get to the point where, you know, they end up creating a new gauntlet looking like... I, this is one of the things that I don't know if you noticed, too, until, like, after the first couple of times, or after you watched it a couple of times, mm-hmm. how it the colors and everything on there, how they made the gauntlet exactly like Stark's suit. Like, that was another hint that it seemed like at the how they did this at the uh, end of the film. Yeah, it could have been kind of almost a little it was, I think it was, like, a hint, like, foreshadowing, like, in the end, it's going to be Tony. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that could be exactly what they were kind of trying to to give you as a possible hint. But, you know, they're forward. trying to figure out, like, who can be the one that, act, who's going to be the one that actually puts it on and undoes everything. And, yeah, ends up hitting the reset button on the last five years. And Banner's realized that, you know, he's the only one that really can because of the fact the that... Gamma. The gamma the radiation. The gamma radiation. Yeah. And how they're the only... How they're uh, the ones... How, or that, you know, they're going over the plan and everything. You know, just the last five years. Don't... Nothing else. Just undo all the things. All, everyone that... It disappeared. Disappeared from the yeah. snap. Yeah. Well, with, with this, he is... Uh, well, we think at this moment he's successful until... Uh, Barton's phone rings and it's his wife, so we know that that it was successful. But the shocking point of what happens next is when Thanos' ship comes through and fires down and destroys the entire Avenger complex. Yeah, past Nebula uses the time machine to transport Thanos and his warship to the present. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, they he came back and just uh, they unleashed an assault on the compound, uh, completely destroying it and. We end up seeing how Thanos gets all the stones at that point, to and he ends up saying that you know maybe this isn't it. I just wipe out all life on Earth, start from there, mm-hmm. and just completely rebuild the universe from scratch at that point. Yeah, this is this is definitely like this different. is more the sadistic side of Thanos here at this right. point. We're seeing this is not the Thanos is. You know that we knew from the first one, and his way of just the half—it's it's to the point where he realizes, you know what? Fine, you're not grateful. Then I'll wipe you all out, and I'm going to create the universe my own way, the way I want it. It just completely changes his whole outlook on what he wants to do at this point. Yeah, and I thought that was absolutely brilliant because we see, get to see that side of Thanos finally coming through. Yeah, and now we get to another key point in here. You go, I go ahead and talk about this. Okay. So, in this moment, um, we see Thor, Cap, and Iron Man out looking the, uh, the destruction of the Avengers base and seeing Thanos just sitting there with his bladed, st- bladed staff. And at this moment, we realize, okay, this is where the shit's going to get real. And during this fight, I will tell you, every moment where when Cap's getting beat down, when Thor's getting beat down, Iron Man's getting beat down, I, especially in that scene where, where Cap is really being pummeled down and his shield's Well, kind of it's in not half. even that. It's a matter of, I was going to say, you know, how Nebula, man, or the present-day Nebula, mm-hmm. was able to convince, uh, you know, Gamora, oh, Gamora from the past. We, so we finally uh-huh. get uh, Gamora back to, uh, you know, to turn against Thanos. And they right. kill, and she ends up killing herself from the past. Yeah, this is where this is where I, I, I everybody everybody says there's an issue there because they said, well, she kills Pascamore. What about her? Wouldn't she disappear? Well, that comes into the whole explanation of how they explain time travel. 
I remember the first time I saw it, I kept thinking, how was that possible? I get it now is weird and maybe a bit flawed that it is. Um, but yeah, it's a big moment when she takes out her the the, the past badass. Uh, but I mean, yeah, because after they do this, it's this whole sequence is now the fucking end all be all. This is the big final fight sequence that we're gonna get. Did you during think- this saga? So now we get to the point where we actually see Thanos fighting at his real power without no with no, no stones, stones, nothing with that staff with that bladed staff of his. You see him overpowering all three of them. All three of them. You see him. You this is the one of the scenes I was waiting to see was him breaking the vibran the vibranium shield of Captain. You know, in that moment when when uh, the way the music was playing, the way the moment was playing out, I really thought that Cap may actually die here. I really was thinking that in that moment. Yeah, and then you see uh, Hulk come in, or not Hulk, but uh, Thor come in. With uh, the hammer and the uh, Stormbreaker Stormbreaker going in trying to get him. He gets overpowered. You see him about to essentially get cleaved in two. And then what do you see? You see you see a reference made from uh, Age of Ultron made right here at this point where you've got uh, Cap holding on to the hammer. The hammer goes to him, or because Thor went to go call for the hammer, it went right past him and into Cap's hand. Mm-hmm. And you just see Thor looking at me like I knew it. <laughs> I remember the going back to the reference of how the th- hammer had moved a little bit when, when Cap, Cap tried, tried to, to pick it up. Yeah, the moment I meant the moment in the theater when that happened, man. The, the theater just erupted in that moment. It was it was huge. It really was a big moment. And uh, you get all that going on. And then we get everything going on. We think that this is going to be it finally. When we see... When we hear one line start to come in. Cap, can you hear me? Yeah. This is Sam. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we know that all the Avengers are fu- coming in. One by one, we see the army of sorcerers with Strange coming through. We see the rest of the Avengers that got snapped away. We see uh, the rest of the Guardians start popping up one by one. We've got Black Panther and the rest of Wakanda soldiers coming through. All of Asgard. All of them. And then we hear the one line... That I've been waiting to hear this entire saga, yeah. and that was Steve Rogers finally getting to say Avengers, Avengers Assemble. Assemble. I yelled at the top of my lungs when I heard that, and I was clapping the entire time because the moment that they said that was when you knew that this was truly going to be an iconic ser- a movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the thing of this, too, is like a lot of people would have thought in that moment when, when, when uh, Sam calls in that... It was just going to be, you know, the Avengers were going to come in and help. Little did we know that it was so much more than just the Avengers, and it was all these troops from from all these different places. And I like how Doctor Strange says, "Is that is, is that all?" And then he goes, "You want more?" <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was I great. know. And now you got uh, Captain Marvel who comes in as well during this whole sequence. About time. 
And you see her actually playing a pivotal role here because she actually starts getting the better of Thanos after he had gotten all the stones in his glove. She ends up coming in and almost takes the glove completely off of Thanos, or the gauntlet, sorry, off of uh, Thanos. And then he actually had to, because this played a a pivotal moment in this movie right here, Mm -hmm. because he took, he had to take the power stone out and use its power to send Captain Marvel flying off of him. Watching trying to headbutt her and failing, that was hilarious. And then seeing him put that back in, but then it's, you see him go act like he's about to, he goes to snap his fingers, you know, saying that, you know, he is inevitable. Nothing happens. And then you see he turns the glove around, all the stones are gone. Well, it well before that moment though, when Tony looks over at Doctor Strange and he just holds up the one finger, is in that moment I was like, "Oh, this is the no. one. This is the one possibility out of the over fourteen million. Well, it made sense because before that scene, um, when Tony asked Stephen Strange if, uh, out of all the situations, is, is this the one? Please tell me it's when we win. He says, and if I tell you, it won't happen. In that moment, I was kind of like. Oh no! The, the, if I don't tell you, I tell you you're gonna die. You ain't gonna do it. I was like, ah oh, shit! No 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 no! I didn't want. I didn't think it was gonna happen. And I didn't then want you this to happen. see, I know. And then you get to where he's got their newly made gauntlet with the stones all in. And be like, oh yeah. And I am Iron Man. Snaps his fingers, and then you just start seeing Thanos's army disappearing. And Thanos looking all around him. And he just drops his stuff, sits down, and just kind of accepts that, accepts it, and yep. you just see him disintegrate. I and then he, it's this whole sequence because you knew that Tony knew that this was going to be it yeah, for he him wasn't here. Survive that, no way. Between the radiation and how, it, but yeah. that, like I said, this all leads back to where the pivotal moment with his dad, with his dad, comes in from when they went to go get the space stones back in the seventies. Yep. How, you know, his child wasn't even born yet and, you know, he'd do anything for him. I think that was the key moment that you realized that he'd this is where he'd make he'd do anything to make sure that his daughter had a future. Yeah. So he sacrificed himself. One of the things I also wanted to get into here, by the way, before we finish this off, was you see Pepper coming in wearing the suit that Tony gave her. I, I, I did not even think that this was remotely even going to happen. It, it didn't even, like... You saw this moment, and now we can see why they're doing this, because I think that's going to lead to Pepper possibly taking over for... Yeah, I think so. At least for a movie or two. I, I think, too, because um, there's been some rumors going around that there may be some sort of young Avengers incarnation that'll happen down the line. Mm-hmm. Something to do with Tony's daughter will eventually become, like, the next Iron Man, Iron Woman... Kind it's of possible. So then, and I think they kind of hinted at it too when when she came out of the tent for the first time and she was wearing the mask that she found. Yeah, kind of a little subtle hint that maybe that's what's, what's to come. So, uh, but that, yeah. I mean, then we get to like after all this is happening, we see uh, Pepper saying it's okay to rest. Yeah, and you see so- Tony just fi- just died. That finally, it's like it's <sighs> like he knows that it's gonna be all right, and he d- ends up dying from. That and you see the big send off right after this for Tony. Yeah, that, that that whole scene was really really sad. Also, too, I think the scene that really got me too the last time I saw it 
is that you know, that scene where he's putting to uh, his daughter uh, to bed early in the movie when oh, she yeah, says, that, love, I love you 3,000, and he says that looking at her with the hologram, yeah, that, that, that hit a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, but uh, I like, too, that in this funeral moment, we're getting the cool panning shot of seeing all the groups of the movies, and they're all standing together in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you knew this. I just found this out. Everybody kept asking, who was the kid that was standing behind... Um, think of the group it was the kid that was oh for the one that was with happy at the end there no no there was a kid standing in front of captain marvel and then and then nick fury oh that was uh the kid from iron man 3 if i'm not mistaken it was it was now i i didn't know that initially um yeah because i was sitting there waiting because i had a feel like i had uh heard something online that um he was that that kid from iron man 3 was supposed to be cameoing uh cameoing in this Mm -hmm. film yeah, I didn't expect him to pop up there, but I'm kind of glad that he did because, you know, he was kind of important in that moment in Iron Man 3. Even though a lot of people don't like Iron Man 3, we're still, you know, yeah. getting something from that, which we should. Um, and then so, but going back to this, I mean, after the funeral and everything, we see the fallout of everything now that uh, Thanos is finally gone. We see mm-hmm. uh, Thor telling Valkyrie that, here... They already have Asgard already has a new ruler, and her. makes her the ruler. We see him joining up with the Guardians, the Asgardians of the galaxy, and that whole sequence of jokes that in just that few minutes span there, it just makes me realize that this was a great choice because we are going to get some comedic gold going into this next film between Thor and Quill. I, I really think too. I don't think the third movie is going to be called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I think the third movie is going to be called As Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know. We'll see. I have a feeling. I, I have a feeling. I'm hoping. And also the question is, too, is Thor still going to be fat? I don't know. I, I We're going to have to see on that. Like, Are we going to are we gonna get the Thor from Infinity War or are we going to get the Thor from Endgame here? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, the fat Thor would actually fit with the humor of Guardians, but I don't know if they're going to want to... Continue that yeah, or not? Exactly. Um, right, so be- now, I mean, going back to this, we got Rogers going to return all the Infinity Stones back to their original timelines to the exact points that they needed to be in. Yeah, it was at this moment, too, that I was wondering because, uh, you know, uh, I know we're in the final, final end game here at the end, and we don't really know what's going to happen with Cap yet. And it was in this moment, it's like, maybe Cap's not going to get to go back. Maybe, you know, but how are they going to write him off? Because I know, I know that Chris Evans is done with it after this. But then when he talks about going back and he kind of gives that glance to, to Bucky, I'm like... Where you kind of had a feeling that this is it here. Yeah, he's going He's going to go back. So, yeah, he ended up going to return them all. But when they went to go bring him back, nothing happened. They thought something had gone wrong. Like before with Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that, no, he just took the long way back. They realized, or I think it was Bucky that note, that said it, because you get a pan of an old uh, older man sitting over there. Mm-hmm. You see Sam walking up to him, and it's an old Steve Rogers. Yeah. You finally get to see, the, to see that he stayed back there, got that dance with Peggy. I cannot tell you how, when that when that movie ended with that, my, I had the biggest smile on my face. I was like... Thank you for giving hey, me the closure for One of the things that I realized that a lot of people don't agree with me with is I actually liked how they ended up 
going over Bucky when he ended when Rogers ended up giving his shield to Sam to make him really the new Captain America. Why is that? Because essentially they retconned the entire uh, sequence of after Civil War mm-hmm. when it happened because Steve Rogers was supposed to die in Civil that, War. In Civil War, like after the events of Civil War, because mm-hmm. it was he had walked up to City Hall uh, steps. And he was shot dead there. Mm-hmm. That's when Bucky had taken over as uh, Captain America at that point. That makes sense. With that not happening at all, and them going this route, because ended up essentially making uh, Sam, who was the next uh, Captain America after Bucky. Uh, Bucky, they ended up skipping it. And- skipping it, and you see Sam now. You see Falcon as the new Captain America. Now, my question to you is, though, is that, you know, he becomes new Captain America, but he doesn't have any of the same super strength or thing that Captain America had. So how exactly does that work with him being Captain America, considering he's not as strong as Cap? I just saw the whole sequence of events and everything. It doesn't, I mean, it's more of a, uh, it's not one of those things where, you know, it's the whole super serum and the super soldier serum. symbolic. Yeah, I think it's more the symbolic okay. uh, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, the ending of this film put a big smile on my face. Finally, Cap gets the ending I feel like he deserved. Yeah, like the movie ends with them dancing. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. And it actually almost made sense that Anthony and Joe Russo would make this the final shot because, you know, their first movie was Captain America the Winter Soldier. So it kind of almost made sense that the final shot of the movie would be a Captain America send off for yeah. them. Um, but and then now you got to sit here and wonder, like, what did you think of the fact they didn't have any end credit after credit scene? I mean, you know, I get the explanation from the Russo brothers when they say, you know, it was Endgame. We wanted to make it about that. Didn't want to hint at anything to come. Um, I get that, but at the same time, uh, people have been talking about how when they show the Marvel logo after the credits are over, we hear the a clanging noise, which is when. Iron Man was making his suit in the first movie. People have been looking into it as it being a hint towards something. All I think it is is that them honoring Tony in that moment or from the first yeah. movie that started the MCU. I think that's all it is. I think people looking into it, it's just exactly that. They're looking into it too much. No, I, do, I agree. I think people are looking into that too much. What I think is going to happen here, though, is we're going to be essentially getting a clean slate here for now. Yeah. Until after uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home hits, because once we get that uh, movie done and out of the way, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna start seeing a bigger picture of what we're gonna see for now that everything's happened. We're gonna see more to what uh, the ancient one was alluding to mm-hmm. uh, when she said, "You know, without the stones, bigger and better things are gonna come." Right. So it makes you want like, what is it that we are about to see now? It's a good question. Um, you know, I, I wish we had some sort of idea what was to come, but we really don't. There's no references or anything dropped in this movie that provides direction. Oh, I know. Um, which I guess really does make it feel like Endgame. Like I told you before, if people wanted to be done watching Marvel after this movie, this movie would be the perfect ending to stop on. Hey, this would be the perfect movie to stop it on, but for the people that have invested, like, the... 11 years into watching every film. You're not going to give up as they come, No, I, like, I'm not giving up. No. I know that much. Oh, hell no. No. It's, it's just looking to see now, all right, what are they going to take from here now? Now it's a matter of, now me and you got to discuss this here because it's a matter of, what are we going to see now? Like, are we going to see 
a continuation of everything now finally from here? Are we going to see the slate completely wiped clean and just see a mass reboot happen? Are we going to see a bunch of like standalone films for a while before they advance into the MCU, the like, next phase for four, or what? Um, I, I don't think we're ever going to see a massive reboot. Um, I, I think that the, the most realistic situation would be maybe a few standalones with just maybe little subtle hints, because if you look at some of the early Marvel movies, like Iron Man and all that, there were little hints dropped about characters to come, storylines to come, but nothing that really overtook those movies. Yeah. So it could kind of go like that, where we might just get little subtle hints until we get to a bigger picture of things, where we drop a big bomb like the Thanos uh, cameo in an end credit sequence or whatever. Yeah, where we finally got the saw, where we finally saw for the first time Thanos at the end of Infinity War during the end sequence of that or the after credit scene of that which one you talking about uh or uh, the first avengers film yeah um it might be something like that that led to everything that they were going to get to and it's but now it's a matter of like what are we going to see at this point they're like what's going to be the thing that ties into what this whole next phase is going to be or this whole next saga is going to be about because we don't know how many phases this next part, this next part of uh, Marvel's going to get into. Yeah, uh, Kevin Feige has not really gone into much detail as to what's really to come, or even how many phases that he plans on beyond this. Now, um, we don't even know like what 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 the uh, what's going to happen with Mark Ruffalo and the Hulk. We don't know what's going to happen with that yet. We've heard nothing on that. Uh, we know, like you've told me, Chris Hemsworth has one more movie on his contract, which we now know is probably going to be Guardians 3. So the rumored of Thor 4, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, there's just a lot like of uncertainty. We've got the one film that uh, just, uh, Scarlett Johansson's contract for, which will be her prequel, Black Widow prequel. Which will probably be it for her because of her death in this film. Um, from what I heard, there is only one more planned Guardians movie. So after that, you know, they might be done. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty as to where the characters we have now are going to go, what new ones are going to be introduced. Yeah, like, which ones are we going to see now? Because we know that the big core of what we're going to see in the next uh, saga is probably going to be, like, people like Captain Marvel. Black Panther. Black Panther, Doctor Strange. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And now, with the addition of... Uh, possibly the X-Men and Fantastic Four in the universe, we got a lot more options as to what we can do from here. Well, that's exactly it. Um, there's a lot of what can happen going forward. It's the question as to what they are going to do going forward. Um, the only movies right now that are confirmed going forward, of course, is Spider-Man coming out in July, the Black Widow prequel, which to me is not going to do much going forward as far as you know, uh, storyline of what the future is going to be. Yeah. Um, there's also the Eternals that is supposedly is going to get ready filming this year. Uh, it's supposed to be, which no. I'm looking forward to that because Angelina Jolie, I heard is supposed to be a part of this film. Yeah. She's supposed to be playing the lead role of Cersei. Um, that's pretty much all there really is right now. Filming is set to begin in August of 2019 for a 2020 release. Uh, Dr. Strange two is supposed to be coming out in 2021 of May. Um, Black Panther 2, they're saying, will also be out in 2021. Uh, there's some rumors that Killmonger may return in that film as well. I'm interested to see how they do this. Um, there's also rumors that uh, there could also be uh, Shang-Chi, which will be Marvel's first Asian-led superhero movie. movie mm-hmm. That could also be a possibility. 
Um, we got Guardians 3 in 2021, so we're looking at three movies in 2021 already. If Shang-Chi would be four. And then also the only thing we got uh, after that confirmed is the Disney Plus shows, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, and the untitled uh, Hawkeye series. Yeah. So that's pretty much what the thing is going forward. Uh, but do you think this is going to lead to anything else here? Well, we haven't heard any confirmation on Fantastic Four or X-Men going forward yet. We know they've acquired both through the Fox purchase for Disney. But so let's go, like... Let's think here. Like, where do you see the MCU going from here, though? Like, do you see them going into another big epic like they did with uh, Thanos here and the Infinity um, Stones? I think they will, but I could also see them maybe not doing that, just sticking to their standalone movies with occasional cameos from other people in those movies. Uh I don't know, because, again, until Kevin Feige comes out and confirms that there's even going to be another Avengers film, which he, even he hasn't done that yet, I don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of question marks to where this goes from here. It, yeah. it, and we don't even know if things are going to be... I think with the core group being gone, too, you have to kind of wonder, is Marvel going to kind of start to cool off because we're going to start getting some more of the obscure heroes? Um, are people going to take to those as much as these? We don't know. Uh, there's there's a lot of well, questions. Thing, no one would have thought that Black Panther would have been as big as it did, but True. I, and it hit, and it hit big. Well, Black Panther w- was pretty big, too, because it was Marvel's first black superhero. So a lot of the African-American... No, no, it, no. It did, it did, because I'll tell you, when I no, went to the, when I went no, to the theater... No, I'm telling you, no, no, it was not Marvel's first big black superhero. Or who else was Blade. it? People that, no people forget about that all the goddamn time. That's that's fine. Blade but, really Blade by all technical means was the first one that we saw. But he wasn't in the big scheme of the Marvel universe though. He's not a part of that. But he still was the first real African American superhero okay. that we saw. Well, that's that, that and that's fine. But in the big scheme of this, it's the first one in the MCU and just by going to the theater, I know when I saw it on opening weekend, 90% of the theater was was African-American filled. I mean, it was a big deal for them. And, and, and that, that's great for them that they have that. And Because, you know, let's be honest, it's, it, it's, it's a white-dominated superhero yeah. field. What I want to know is, though, what exactly, like I said, like I just wonder where they're going to go from here now. Like, if they go into another big thing, like even if they don't do Avengers films, are all the movies going to tie into another big thing like the Infinity uh, Stones did? Like, are we going to get that secret invasion that they are, uh, you know, essentially alluding to with everything going on? Are they going to end up going into, you know, stuff with the Fantastic Four? Are we going to see Super Scroll? Are we going to see, you know, Silver Surfer, Galactus? Are we going to see it? What are we going to see at this point? Well, until Fantastic Four makes their appearance, it's hard to know. I mean, how, are we going to see Magneto and all that now that they have X-Men as well? Well... Because Magneto was a universal threat in the comics, and everyone knows that. Well, Dark Phoenix is slated to be probably the last uh, X-Men movie that Fox started with. And after that, there's a good chance that X-Men's probably going to be totally recasted. I highly doubt, very highly doubt, that any of the cast will be carried over from first the first-class cast. I just don't see I don't it know. happening. I don't know. They've already done four movies. 
I even know Jennifer Lawrence initially wanted out after Days of Future Past, and she still came back and did Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. So I can already see that she'll be out. Um, as far as McAvoy and Fassbender, maybe... I think the big question mark here, people worry about X Men, is is you know where they're probably going to go forward with a recast of, of Wolverine, and I'm sorry, I don't know who they're going to find to play a better Wolverine than Hugh Jackman. I just I, maybe they can find someone that could still carry some, something like how he did in those films, or maybe you know go in more of the route that the comics did. Well, and I mean, not it's an that option. style of Wolverine that you know Jackman brought to the table. What are we going to see with Deadpool? A Deadpool will never be brought into the MCU. He's but just he not, was part of the I know, Marvel Universe. I, I know. Uh, I think he's going to be... He, they're going to have to do it at some point. Two, two reasons. I think, A, because he's too humorous for the Marvel Universe. He's too thing, number one. Number two, Deadpool right now was owned by Fox. So if they do do Deadpool, it probably will not be Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. Oh, yes, it will. You know that... You know that Ryan Reynolds is going to have some say in anything that is done Deadpool-related. You know that he is. All I know is the last thing I heard about after the Disney purchase... Disney was talking about purchasing it when Deadpool 2 was coming out. I heard that they may not even go forward with a Deadpool 3 because Disney bought Fox. Well, I have to wait and see what happens. But like I said, I feel like... We're going to be seeing Ron, Ryan Reynolds have some sort of say in what happens with another Deadpool movie. It may be, but it probably won't be anything more than a Deadpool 3 if we get it at this point, which is fine. I'm okay with that. I mean, the thing of it is, too, this Deadpool universe has also used cameos from the young X-Men First Class cast, too. So that's supposed to be taking place, I guess, during that, even though they've never even intersected those two together. Yeah. officially um so yeah there, like i said there's a bunch of question marks popping up with this and sadly we don't really have much in the way of answers right now and we'll probably get more once we get like once phase three is officially over i think fake uh kevin feige will come out and he'll announce what the plans are going forward i think he's just waiting for phase three to wrap up this year yeah so we'll see what happens but uh, do you have anything else you got to add to this um, no, uh, I think that's basically about it. Um, we will be doing Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe Part 2 now that we've done an Endgame. Uh, we'll be doing that to finish off the last handful of, uh... The last, like, I think it was 12 films. Yeah, I think we still, we did, like, the first half. We got the last half to do yet. So we'll do that. Uh, that'll be coming at you soon. But, uh, all in all, great movie, great finish to the MCU as we know it. Um, and... Epic, I think, kind of describes how these last two movies have basically been. Oh, well. yeah. You know, I, I got I to gotta make mention, too. I would love to see Marvel put out uh, a Blu-ray or 4K of Infinity War and Endgame combined as one whole movie. I think that'd be really cool. I don't think cool. it would be nice. But did you see the uh, what they already have announced and everything? For what? If it was like a box collection of... Uh, High def or Blu-ray or 4K, well, I forget which one it was, but of uh, the entire alt MCU, like you on the cover, it was on the like on the box cover, it was the Infinity Gauntlet with the stones in there, and it was all 22 movies. That reminds me of uh, you remember when Phase One was finished? They came out with like this. It was like a briefcase. They put all the Phase One films in. 
And they never did that again with Phase 2. Uh, so that would be really cool if, like, if they could find a way to put all the discs inside the gauntlet or something. That'd be really cool. Well, no, because it was, like, a big box collection of it. It was, like, all with the gauntlet on the cover. I think it was, like, an actual, like, imprint of the the glove sticking out with Mm -hmm. the, uh, gems in there. That's really cool. And it was, like, all 22 films in the box. That'd be a good set to get. But, yeah, I would really like to see them, like, mix the two films together as one big, like, uh, six-hour or five-and-a-half-hour epic. I think it'd be kind of cool to see that mixed together yeah. as one. I don't know if they'll ever do it, because um, they didn't even do it with the Harry Potter movies, which I'm kind of surprised they didn't even do it with that, because it could have worked for that, too. But uh, Not really. I mean, well, the, like the last one, yes, but... Yeah, that's what I mean. Deathly Hollows. yeah. They, they could have done, done it with Deathly Hollows because the only two that was a, a two-parter, but, um, but we'll see. I mean, all in all, we're, I'm looking forward to seeing what Marvel has to do from here now. We're going to see, and I think we're going to find out before the end of the year. Yeah. I do. All right, so, again, this has been Lights, Camera, Action, Movie, Podcast, review for uh, Avengers Endgame. I am Jason Kaposik. I'm Mike Winkler. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen, signing out. Read our reviews. Go to our site, lcamoviereviews.com. Don't miss a podcast. Don't miss a review. God, it seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave, became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed. None of us can go back. is our best and sometimes the best that we can do is to start over I saw all these people die I keep telling everybody they should move on some do, but not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. this one.